Hello, David Oakes here, your host to the arts nature crossover Podstravaganza, that is, Trees A Crowd. As you're probably now aware, due to these unprecedented times, TAC has temporarily transmogrified into a series of bite-sized episodes where I am uploading the secrets and stories beneath the 56-ish native trees of the British Isles. Our latest tree marks the beginning of a family that has a pretty firm grasp upon our islands and upon our imaginations. As Shakespeare put it, a rose by any other name, be it Midland Thorn, Crab Apple, Wild Service, or Cheddar Gorge White Beam, would smell as sweet. For the next eight weeks, I will be taking a look at the native and native ish members of the Rose family, the Rosaceae. These are trees which possess bountiful displays of blossom seducing even the most lackadaisical of star-crossed lovers, smothering them with pollen and a dash of nectar, and rendering them prone to an onslaught from platoons of invertebrate pollinators. But the first of our rose family is tree number 19. Blackthorn, 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 blackthorn. The blackthorn, Prunus spinosa. The blackthorn is a member of the Prunus genus within the Rosaceae family, a group of plants that all possess beautiful fruits with a large seed or stone at the heart of them. Botanists call these fruits droops, a very silly-sounding word deriving from the Greek for olive, but Prunus droops are often referred to by the more colloquial name stone fruit. Almonds, apricots, nectarines, peaches, plums and cherries, two of which are native and we will be looking at those next week, are all stone fruits, all members of the Prunus genus and all as tasty as damn it. Especially if you're one of the 150 plus species of invertebrate who, in their larval stage, devour these droops as a foodstuff. Or if indeed you were to soak these droops in alcohol for months on end to convince yourself that getting feverishly fuddled from foraging is exactly what nature intended. Now, you may not instantly recognise the name of the blackthorn, but you will almost certainly have heard of its droops. Rich, purple, inky, deep, dusky, and manner to the amateur forager, the blackthorn provides a home to the irrepressible slow. Now, I cannot mention the slow without taking a look at slow gin, but I will meet your slow gin, and I will raise you the Spanish equivalent, Pacharan. Drunk since the Middle Ages, Pacharan is a slow liqueur from the Navarre province of northern Spain. Whereas slow gin is made simply by soaking slows in gin and sugar, Pacharan is made by soaking the slows alongside coffee beans and cinnamon, in an aniseed liqueur, it puts hair on your chest. I got far, far too well acquainted with it while shooting the movie Cold Skin. My character, stranded alone in the Arctic, shelter burned to the ground and freezing nights moving in rapidly, method drank Pacharan for warmth and survival. Let's please just conveniently overlook that I was filming in Madrid in the summertime. But I am now seldom found without a bottle of Pacharan in my fridge, just in case of any flash freeze. Anyway, straight off the tree, slows are not particularly palatable. They will make the inside of your mouth fur up, hence why we soak them in booze. But we believe that slows featured heavily in the diets of early man. 
Following 5,300 years of being frozen in ice, a human body was found in the Erztal Alps. Perfectly preserved and with an arrowhead embedded deep in his shoulder, the man, now nicknamed Ertzi, had with him a host of tools as well as a selection of food provisions, including grains of corn and barley, seeds of flax and poppy, and, you've guessed it, a number of sloes. Rich in energy and vitamin C and containing strong amounts of magnesium, calcium and potassium, Ertzi would have survived well with these droops in his diet. It is just a shame about that arrow stuck in his shoulder. Unlike the cherries, to which it is closely related, blackthorn is usually covered in strong thorns, the bane of the country cyclist who travels without a puncture repair kit. Blackthorn, as its name implies, is as such more like the hawthorn, another one of our native trees, but the dark black bark of the blackthorn, hence the black in its name, makes it stand out from the hawthorn whose bark is significantly lighter and why it has traditionally been known as the whitethorn. All members of the Rosaceae, our blackthorn cherries, hawthorn, pears, rowan, etc., have amazing blossoms. Indeed, all are instantly recognisable members of the family based on their blossom alone. In fact, they can be so similar that just the other day, a gardener friend of mine unforgivably mistook a cherry for an ornamental pear. But this is easily done. And in fact, the flowers of one genus within the Rosaceae can be even harder to tell apart. Our native prunuses, for example, the blackthorn and the two cherries, have flowers that vary slightly in size and arrangement, but very little else. Blackthorn and bird cherry are visually almost identical, with both flowers being heavily scented, snow white in colour, and both only one centimetre in diameter. Now, not wanting to belittle the identifying abilities of our invaluable pollinators, we've all seen what happened to Macaulay Culkin and My Girl, but they could easily flit from blackthorn to bird cherry without knowing the difference, rarely finding the correct one to assist in reproduction and wasting a whole load of valuable pollen in the process. Evolutionarily speaking, this is not very clever. But the Rosaceae has evolved a little trick to increase their chances of survival. To combat this flowery over-familiarity, these clever trees blossom in different seasons to other floristically similar, closely related relatives. Blackthorn can start flowering as early as February, long before the leaves burst, while the wild cherry waits until April and the bird cherry later till May. This is great for the trees who guarantee their chances of survival, great for pollinators who are provided with food throughout the spring, and great for us who are rewarded with flowery hedgerows and tree canopies for months on end. But this early flowering of the blackthorn, along with their dark macabre thorns, is one reason why traditionally it has a somewhat negative connotation. A blackthorn winter is a bad omen. The phrase refers to a particularly cold snap following hot on the heels of the flowering of the blackthorn in February. It heralds freezing winds and bitter frosts which damage the coming to bloom of younger plants and other species. This blackthorn winter is personified in Celtic faith by the goddess of winter, Karliak, a blue-veiled old woman with a raven on her shoulder and a staff made of blackthorn that freezes the ground it rests upon. And although Karliak's use of blackthorn could be seen as benevolently harsh, we all need winter, the blackthorn has long been associated with the darker side of magic, with witches being said to prefer thorny blackthorn wands for curses and for causing mischief. In 1670, 
at the grand old age of 70, soldier, devout Presbyterian and Covenanter Major Thomas Weir confessed to being a witch. His aptly named sister, Griselle, who in line with the family trend also confessed to witchcraft, said her brother derived all his power from a walking stick topped with a carved head of a demon, a stick made from blackthorn. Accounts declared that this blackthorn stick had often been seen parading down the street in front of him, like some kind of twisted bedknobs and broomsticks. Weir was ultimately burned alive as a witch, having been found guilty of incest, of adultery, and even bestiality. The blackthorn stick was thrown on the pyre after him. But wielding a blackthorn staff isn't always a bad thing. Blackthorn wood is traditionally used for making an Irish shillelagh, and battens of blackthorn are also carried by officers within the Royal Irish Regiment of the British Army. Right, back to nature. The flowers of the blackthorn smother the branches and are particularly noticeable along the tree's long thorns. These thorns make the bush perfect for cattle-proof hedging and, if you're so inclined, you can pluck them carefully from a tree or bush and make wonderful miniature jousting lances for medieval Lego men. But cattle man and Lego man aside, the blackthorn creates an amazing sanctuary for nesting birds, one of which I want to single out. The red-backed shrike is a stunner of a bird, the male shrikes being unmistakable with their bluish-grey head and black mask. But you may have heard of the shrike by its other name, the butcher bird. The shrike uses the blackthorn as its own personal larder. It impales its prey of large insects, frogs and even occasionally other small birds upon the blackthorn's long spikes to devour at will. It can be an hypnotic, albeit disturbing, sight. But, fortunately for its prey, and unfortunately for the shrike, the red-backed shrike is on the UK's conservation red list and is virtually extinct here as a breeding species. All birds on this red list are threatened globally, with numbers having declined noticeably since 1800 and in the past 25 years alone, the population having dropped further by at least 50%. The shrike is accompanied on the UK's grizzly red list, by 66 other wonderful animals who also meet these ghastly, worrying criteria. Other familiar names include the curlew, the puffin, and the largest of our native birds of prey, the white-tailed eagle. So that's that. That's the blackthorn, a tree who holds amongst its friends Major Thomas Weir the Bestialist, Shrike the Impaler, and the Grizzly Hag Karliak the Cold, and yet also a tree that provides shelter to rare birds, nourishment to insects, and some of the prettiest flowers of our British countryside. Next week, I'm going to take a look at both of our native cherries, the wild cherry and the bird cherry, but until then... Thank you very much for listening. Please feel free to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or even subscribe to us on our Patreon account. And we will look forward to seeing you next week. Bye-bye. Uploading the secrets and stories beneath the 56-ish native trees of the British.